1: turn their retirement goals into reality, and improve their lives. And now, here's your host, Ross Brannan. Welcome to the show. My guest today is David Block. David is the president and CEO of Aesthetic Porcelain Studios, a dental lab in Universal City, California. That's the Los Angeles area, for those of you who don't know. He specializes in restoration, has been creating quality products and services for dentists in Southern California and beyond, actually nationwide, for many, many years. David has become a friend of mine over the past four or five years. David, thanks for coming on and sharing your expertise with us.
2: My pleasure, Ross. Looking forward to your podcast, doing it with you, that is.
1: All right, so you have a unique background, unique story. So you started out in dental
2: school, and then life happened. And so kind of give us your background. So I wanted to be a dentist when I was obviously younger. Went to school, UCLA, for about two years. Unfortunately, my father had passed away. I couldn't finish uh, dental school. had to take care of my mom and my sister. And fortunately, in those days, they had a dental technology program there. So I evolved into that. I've actually been in a laboratory business now. This month will be 51 years, Ross. That that's is
1: awesome. old. That, that's longer. That's older than most people probably listening this are. And I, I'm 44 and this is <laughs> like, it's getting into, can't, can't even comprehend that. So it was
2: like 19, uh, 1971, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. Been at it for a long time and seen all the ups and downs, you know, that are going on in dentistry, quite turbulent times, as a matter of fact, that we're dealing with these days in terms of what's happening, you know, with uh, uh, the economy, how it's affected dentistry, you know, the economics of dentistry, just the full gamut in terms of, you know, me seeing where I started from to where it's evolved with today. And uh, it's been a ride, let me tell you. So your firm, your studio
1: is Aesthetic Porcelain. You have you do work for dentists all over the country, right?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about what, what you guys do. So we have a full-service laboratory. And these days, uh, we transition completely from analog to digital. And if you have dentist clients, basically what that means, and they'll know, as opposed to ones that don't know, is that you can actually go to a dentist these days And instead of taking a mold of your teeth, they can actually scan it to us. They stick a probe in your mouth. They, you know, twiddle around in your mouth a little bit, send us the file, and we can actually fabricate the restorations for you and the doctor that way. It becomes a little bit more cost effective because there's no shipping involved. From a uh, consumer standpoint of view, nobody really wants all that poop in their mouth. So that's an advantage of becoming digital. We have all the different uh, uh, scanning systems that doctors uh, uh, have currently in their offices. My focal point for many years has pretty much been high-end aesthetic restorations. And to me, unfortunately, this is where I see the problem is in dentistry these days. With the pandemic, everybody's expenses have gone through the roof. And when it comes to a laboratory, That and supplies are probably two areas that dentists could save some money. But to me, choosing the right materials is so important because as a dentist gets older, they don't want to work harder. They want to work smarter. And unfortunately, a lot of doctors, you know, are addressing, you know, again, the cost containment issues of their practices. And a laboratory does represent about, let's say, about 10% for the sake of conversation. With me creating what I call a two tier system. In other words, if you want inexpensive restorations that you would put in your back teeth, we can easily do that for you. But if you want to move into the front teeth or the anterior portion of the mouth, we could offer high end premium restorations but the doctor is going to have to realize that they're going to have to pay more for it. So the bottom line is that I'm, I'm seeing a lot of the laboratories that are out there, they're really no longer artists. They've actually become computer technicians. So to me, unfortunately, the artistry and dentistry is diminishing. And that is the difference in terms of what I see is going to create a successful practitioner as opposed to one that is ultimately going to get eaten up by a DSO or dental service organization, which is eating and buying up lots of dental offices these days and consolidating them.
1: Mm -hmm. So you're a specialist. You are an expert. You know, dare I say, I mean, you're a ninja in the world of of, of (laughs) what, what you do. But there's a lot of there's a lot of general dentists who are bringing in all these other things that you, they used to outsource out. They're doing uh, Invisalign. Some of them are doing right. now root canals and, and because it's more profit for them. How often are you seeing dentists try and do the
2: lab work on their own? And if they do, how good are they? Actually, it's a good question, Ross. So again, with the economy and turmoil, a lot of general practitioners are doing things that in the past they would send out to specialists, okay? Root canals, you know, other procedures like Invisalign and, uh, you know, all the different aligners that are out there. As far as fabricating restorations like what I do in-house over here, there are pieces of technology out there that a lot of doctors are purchasing where they can mill single units, meaning one or two teeth in the back, okay, which are acceptable because in reality you don't really see them. But when it comes to the front teeth, which is basically a mirror image of a doctor's work, which has to be, you know, textbook perfect by all means, those are things that I find dentists are not really capable of doing. So doing the onesie, twosies, and the posterior teeth Yes, more of them are moving into that to address cost containment issues. So good question from your end of it in terms of the shifts that are going on. So you've obviously been doing this for over
1: 50 years, but do you see that is there a are there new dental labs popping up more and more or, or really is it kind of like the old guard is staying, but there's not really a new guard coming in and the corporations are just doing it themselves. All
2: these DSOs that are coming in. What, what's well, happening in the market there? Yeah, so the old timers like me are either retiring, phasing out, selling, or whatever, because they don't want to tra- transition, as I stated earlier, from analog to gi- to digital. It's quite expensive. I mean, you're talking hundreds and thousands of dollars just for purchasing the equipment, let alone the learning curve that's associated, you know, with that. So consequently, and again, this is what I stated earlier, the artistry that I grew up in dentistry is dissipating. The techs, technicians that are moving into dentistry these days, I wouldn't even call them technicians. They're computer operators, okay? Because they're taking files off of computers and they're basically downloading and printing crowns. They're doing what I call surface staining. In other words, they're only painting the color of the teeth on the facial aspect instead of cutting it back and layering it. And a lot of the... Uh, I guess DSOs or corporate Americas, you know, are starting to buy up laboratories because when they buy up laboratories and they send them thousands of units per month, obviously the bottom line is the only thing that they really care about. And to me, I'm kind of holding on to something that is from the past, but I do believe that quality will prevail. And again, what I'm seeing is that doctors that are starting off Young, wanting to learn to be really good dentists and understand materials, they'll be able to have a very comfortable life. They basically be able to retire at rel- a relatively early age. Guys that are just cranking teeth out for the sake of, you know, running up the numbers, they're going to burn out, and I'm seeing a lot of that as well. Also, that is going on.
1: Well, I know you're never going to retire, no. and one day when you move on. Uh, when you leave the planet, as I like to say, uh-huh. your, da- your daughters will take over for you. So, you're, I mean, right. so aesthetic porcelain is not going anywhere. So, you've built relationships with dentists all over the country over this period of time. Mm-hmm. And you've seen some dentists who've done really, really well. And you've seen some dentists who, you know, retired and that didn't go well. You've seen some dentists who just haven't managed their money as well. And so, oh, yeah. I'd like for you to kind of Um, give your wisdom to our audience on what you've seen just in your life in the dental world on on just smart decisions that people should make things they should avoid doing things like that and i know
2: you could share for hours because you and i have had numerous conversations about this type of stuff so ross look we're all human beings okay the chances of things going wrong. And I'm talking from a health standpoint of you obviously increase as we get older in life. I've had several wake up calls in my life where I was hospitalized and I won't get into the issues you know, that I had to deal with. But I realized very young, and it started basically when my father had passed away, that being a dentist is a very honorable occupation. But the problem is, is that if these things, meaning your hands, are not stuck in somebody's mouth, you ain't making money. That's what it boils down to. So I learned that at a very young age and I segue into real estate, as you know. And to me, that's been a lifesaver for me because the appreciation value, especially out here in California, has gone through the roof, okay? I could retire right now with the amount of passive income that I get just from my rental incomes on properties that I've been buying over the years. So to me, if I was a dentist- again being a dentist is a very honorable occupation but the day will come and i'm seeing this more with a lot of the older you know guys and gals that i'm dealing with you know their hands are starting to shake their eyes are starting to go their back is going and they just can't do what they used to do when they were in their 30s and 40s and 50s so my advice would be is transition into something that could basically make you money while you're sleeping and to me you know, the golden goose has been real estate and it continues to be real estate.
1: And for you, for those who don't know, you're you're the type of guy who you've never sold anything. You've only bought it and held it. And so, and uh, I tell you this, I tell people this a lot. The most successful real estate investors I've ever met are the ones who have bought and never sold. It always sounds good to flip it for a quick profit
2: or an appreciation, but you always regret it later. Almost always regret it later. Well, who wants to pay capital gains, right? We're all going to have to pay for it. If you could defer it, you know, to a later stage in your life or, you know, transition it and leave a legacy for your kids, that's a good thing as well.
1: Well, you have to realize in California, your capital gains is like my ordinary income tax here in Florida. So <laughs> don't <remind me. laughs> yes, so if uh, like, what do you let's talk about the, the DSO world. What is your take on the DSO world? I, I've had different guests who's, I had someone from the ADA on recently who said their market penetration right now is only eleven percent, and they, growing. Uh, yes, and growing. Some people think in ten years there will be no, be, there won't be a practice alive that isn't owned by a DSO. Some people think otherwise. What is your take? Since you've seen fifty years of
2: cycles, what is okay. your take on the DSO world market? What's going on? So the DSOs are definitely going to commoditize dentistry, okay? And obviously, that creates a problem for a lot of small practices because DSOs are not going to buy a small two or three operatory practice. They're interested in offices that have six operatories plus. To me, the boutique practice is going to survive all this but unfortunately, I do believe the DSOs are going to take over dentistry because there's a lot of people out there that cannot afford to go to the dentist. And to me, the objective is to make everything you know affordable. But what I'm seeing is doctors that transition into the DSO world, they have to produce a lot. And when you're producing a lot, the quality tends to go down. And certainly, I could see the difference between what I call a boutique practice and a DSO practice. On a boutique practice, I can have a conversation with the doctor and offer them different materials to use. Yes, some materials are going to cost more. On a DSO side, unfortunately, they only care about the bottom line. Okay. And am I addressing that issue? Well, yes and no. I've created a two-tier system. Do you want a DSO type of a crown? I could easily do that for you. Do you want a high-end Felt spathic crown, which a lot of the old timers in, in dentistry can relate to, because there aren't too many laboratories can do can do these things any longer, because it's very aesthetically uh, pleasing by all means, but it costs the dollars, and the doctor has to realize that they have to charge that patient who's very high as far as uh, their demands are concerned, that they're going to have to pay a little bit more for that type of a restoration. So I'm addressing both, but I do unfortunately see and realize that the DSOs are going to take over traditional dentistry, as we know.
1: So you're protected if
2: you have a high-end fee-for-service practice, probably in a higher income area. You're probably talking about representing one, maybe 2% of the dentist in the United States at this point, because I see a lot of guys and gals, you know, just wanting to get out of dentistry. Okay. You just don't want to do it because the liability is just way too high. You know, obviously when you're mass producing, a lot of crown and bridge work, as opposed to taking your time and really doing things precisely, which is obviously what I love, but unfortunately, I do see that world gradually phasing. So like in uh, California, like obviously the high end Beverly Hills types of, uh, uh, dental practice you know pe- people think that every doctor that practices in beverly hills and i had my laboratory in beverly hills when i started when you're dealing with the laboratory or even being a dentist in beverly hills first of all you're dealing with celebrities okay their expectations are through the roof you have to charge them a lot of money because you could be spending hours on one single tooth and to me if that's what you want to do you know that's perfectly fine but there's such a glut of new dentists that have moved into Beverly Hills. And when you have a glut of dentists, you know what that means? Everybody starts competing. And when you start competing, all of a sudden the price is starting to go down. That means the quality is going to start to go down. So it's not as glamorous as it seems, you know, from your end, uh, Ross. Right.
1: So you've obviously been really successful in real estate. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and but like, you know, taking, taking a, setting aside the type of investment what are the mistakes that you've seen guys who, you know, are your age or close to your age that have made throughout the years? Is it, is it just something as simple as, you know, lifestyle creep, you know, just letting their expenses keep up with their uh, increase with their income and just not putting money away no matter where it goes or or not having a plan? And how many of these people have you found that when they retire,
2: they're just almost aimless and directionless and wish they were
1: practicing again?
2: Yeah, so I'm actually seeing that as well. A lot of them actually, when they went to school to become dentists, their work became their hobby and their hobby became their work. Okay. So they never developed any interest outside of dentistry. Okay. And a lot of them now that can afford to retire are starting to realize that with inflation being what it is, it's really eating into their nest day. Okay. And as far as making investments, let's just say in their younger years, a lot of them, I guess, followed their trusted advisors that they had out there to put money into syndications and things like that. I've never been that type of an individual. I'm I'm a control freak in everything that I do in my life. To me, when I buy a piece of property, I'll partner up with friends of mine that I've known for umpteen years and that's okay. But if there's going to be multiple investors in this, you kind of tend to lose control. And to me, when you lose control, you know, of 10, 15, 20 investors in a syndication, granted, your return on your investment, you know, might initially be up there. But as time goes on, I suspect that it'll go down and then ultimately you know, the general partners will probably want to liquidate the part, the uh, uh, property and kind of move on to something else, as opposed to like you stated earlier, I've had my properties that I bought since I was 21 years old, okay, I've never sold anything. And to me, that is an example how controlling your life is controlling your destiny. And it's worked very effectively for me. So I don't see why it would not work for other individuals.
1: So back to your hobby career comment, are Mm -hmm. you finding that a lot of guys are just like, they're not happy in retirement, retirement is going to been sold as this panacea and then they realize I'm going, you know, bat bleep
2: crazy? A lot of them actually can't afford to retire Ross. Okay. You know, if you want to get into specific numbers, you know, I can get into specific numbers with you, but I really believe that with inflation being what it is, and I'm going to talk about my end of the world, what you really need in a bank account to retire and not downsize, you know, your lifestyle. to you're living in a one bedroom apartment, trying to maintain where you are. I suspected you probably need about five to $7 million in a bank account. Okay, to retire in California, Midwest, your neck of the woods, even though things are starting to creep up there as well. I suspect that you probably would need about five million dollars sitting in a bank account, earning some decent interest on that. And you know what interest rates are paying these days on your money. Nothing.
1: Well, and and so inflation is officially seven and a half percent right now. But a lot of people don't know this. And um, they actually just changed a formula at the beginning of the year on inflation. Uh-huh. And of course, the reason they did that, so it'll come down lower. It's not, it won't be lower, but it will measure, quote, measure right. lower. And if they've changed the formula numerous times over the last 40 years. So if they use the same formula today that they used back in the late 70s, early 80s, when it was like, you know, you know, 12, 13%, it right. would inflation would be over 12% right now. Yeah, so when you so it's it's insane when you look at what it does to your purchasing power, and you know, I mean, unless you are really, really, really financially well off, I mean, the grocery bill. I got five kids, you know that. I mean, that grocery bill is insane. Uh And then of course, if you know, you have the stock market volatility. You've got the real estate's gone up incredibly in the last ten years, and if you're quote a conservative investor. You know, you can't get it. You can maybe get two or three percent in a bond portfolio. And oh, by the way, as interest rates go up, bond prices go down. So that's not a very safe place to put
2: money. So it's a a very interesting world we live in today. There's no doubt about that. I hate saying this, but if you've been to Europe, and I'm assuming some of your listeners have, but things are pretty insanely expensive in Europe, and they've always been Insanely expensive out there. I think this is going to be the new norm in the United States. Okay. Because with all the money that the government has printed to give out people, you know, over the last couple of years, I mean, let's be realistic about it. Where's all this money going to come from? It can only come from taxes. Okay. And to me, I'm hoping for the best, but I'm preparing for the worst.
1: I say that we're in the lowest, I'm 44 and I say we're in the lowest tax rates that we're going to see in my lifetime. And I've asked every CPA that question that I come across. Every single one of them agrees with me. And it's not a political statement. I don't care if you vote for Bernie Sanders or Donald Trump or somewhere in between. It's not a Republican or Democrat, conservative or or liberal thing. It's a math thing. It's just math. And here's the challenge. As rates go up, the interest on the national debt goes up. Mm -hmm. So that's a very challenging budget situation. So in my opinion, the Federal Reserve is not going to be able to raise rates as much as they should, which is going to continue inflation and continue, you know, an increase in real estate potential stock markets as well. And it has the very real possibility of creating have-and-have-nots society, and and, and right. obviously, and then you never know, like Europe has v, a value-added tax, VATS, on top of income tax, who knows if that'll come to the United States, but it's, it just stresses the importance of, you know, you come out of dental school, and, and you're making good money, and in my experience, after someone's gone to school for as long as they have, there sometimes can be a little bit of entitlement, hey, I've worked so hard, I deserve this, And so let me go buy a $130,000 Tesla um, or this or that. I mean, you weren't able to buy all the property you bought because um, you were spending every dime living the high life in Southern California. I mean, you lived in Los Angeles during the heyday of the the 80s with the, the Lakers and all that. You've seen it all and then some. So just talk about the importance of just frugality. I mean, it's almost a cuss word in some circles now, but like, I mean, the importance of saving, no matter where you put your money.
2: So maybe I look at life a little bit differently. Um, I've had about four major health issues in my life. Okay. And I'm lucky to be here conversing with you and doing what I do. So to me, making money obviously is important just as it is for you and all your listeners, but you also have to enjoy life. Okay. Because you know what? At the end of the day, we're all going to end up six feet under, pushing up daisies. That's it. I'm not interested in being the richest man in the cemetery. I'm interested in being the happiest man in the cemetery. But to me, making decisions, business decisions, okay, is important. And to me, unfortunately, every time I've listened to, call them my advisors, things kind of went south, okay, And to me, I kind of go with what my stomach tells me at this point, because I believe that I personally have been blessed with a vision to see things. Now, believe me, my life is not compromised in any way, shape or form. I live a very, very nice lifestyle. Okay, I don't deprive myself of anything, but I don't spend money foolishly. And yes, you're right. I see a lot of my dentist clients, you know, in their 40s, you know, they're making Couple hundred thousand dollars a year or whatever. Okay. And there are going out and buying expensive houses, expensive cars and all that kind of stuff. And it, it's almost like you stated an entitlement philosophy that they have because they spent all those years, you know, in school. To me, those years, those are the years that you should be parking your dollars into things that are going to pay you dividends you know, in the golden years. And I'm starting to see a little bit more of a shift like that because some of the older guys, as I've stated earlier, they cannot afford to retire. So what's happening is that some of these individuals are teaching younger doctors that you should be very frugal with your money. How a person does that, you know, I don't know. You know, if a person wants to ask me specifically what I would do, I will be more than happy to tell them, you know, what I would do. But that doesn't mean you should compromise on life just because, you know, interest rates are going to go up. And to me, interest rates are so cheap. I remember in 1980 when I built my first building. I was, uh, interest rates were, you remember, 1980, uh, interest rates were about 20, 22% in that area there. As a matter of fact, I ended up borrowing money at 22% interest to build this building. So to me, when people are concerned about interest interest rates going up a point or two, you got to be kidding me. Who cares? If it's 5 or 6, 6%, 8%, it's still cheap money. The trick is really to find the place where to park your dollars that creates a nice form of passive income for you, you know, in the golden years. So, if you were a dentist mm-hmm.
1: and you were, say, 40, 45 years old and you did a really good job building a business out of your practice. Okay. And a DSO
2: came knocking, what would you say? You know, I have a friend uh, who actually asked me that question this last weekend. And to me, first of all, A lot of them are looking at the fact that they're going to get X amount of dollars right up front. okay. but the compromise on that is you're going to have to work for these DSOs for three to five years and you're probably going to have to bust your butt for the next three to five years. okay. so what I would do is I would only take you know, let's say you got $3 bucks for the sake of a conversation. I would take that $3 million and I would only park it into, again, something that creates a form of passive income. And to me, that would be an apartment building, you know, single family dwelling. But location to me is key. Okay. I know you can get a greater return when you're buying in different parts of the country. To me, I'd rather spend more knowing that I'm in a, good location. Because, you know, during the pandemic, when you heard all these stories about, uh, you know, land or tenants, you know, that they couldn't evict. Well, they couldn't evict them because, you know, they were working in, in low income earning facilities, and they couldn't afford the rent. But an individual, you know, that has a decent job, they could afford to withstand everything that we've encountered over the last, uh, you know, year and a half financially. I didn't have one issue with one tenant not paying me rent, and I've got about thirty tenants, you know, that I deal with. And of course, when I started to hear what potentially might happen, I got a little bit nervous about that. But knock on wood, everything worked out well. You deal with a higher clientele, so I had a guy I was
1: talking to literally yesterday, mm-hmm. and I, I won't give specific numbers, yeah. but. The guy is similar in age to me, and we're looking, he's looking at well into eight digits. Okay. Um, and so, but the challenge is you know, you sell for a number like that. Uncle Sam's going to get a nice piece of the action. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, what do you do for the rest of your life? Exactly. Plan B. So, That's like, well, I'm, I'm, just like, I'm just like, you know, yeah. I was very upfront. I was, I was like, here's the deal. You're getting rid of the golden goose that's throwing off income of X dollars a a year. You're going to live another 50 years. You got to have a plan B. Mm -hmm. As big as this number is, it's not enough for you to live on the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do? And so I'm always hesitant for people so young to sell their practice because that is a revenue generating machine. I realize some people don't. They've lost the love. They hate dealing with management issues, all
2: that stuff. But what's your take in a situation like that? Well, Look, if I won the lotto tomorrow and I had a hundred million dollars sitting in a bank account, okay, I'd still do the same thing that I'm doing. Okay. Because number one, I realize this actually even more during the pandemic. Okay. Is I'm the type of person I need to keep this thing busy. Okay. Yes. Whether it's doing the dental thing, whether it's doing the real estate or other businesses, you know, that I've got going. I need that to keep myself stimulated. So, yeah, it's tempting, you know, when somebody offers you big bucks, you know, for your practice or whatever, but thinking about what you're going to be doing, like you said, for the next 50 years really becomes important because I I do a lot of hiking and I obviously run into a lot of neighbors and friends of mine, you know, when I'm out there doing my hiking. And a lot of these individuals have retired. And I would say 90% of them, Ross, regret the fact that they've retired because they don't know what to do with themselves, okay? So to me, creating plan B, why you're still actively working, and what I'm actually working on is plan C, because, you know, the reality is, is that the world is changing. And if it's changing, I have to change with the world, but I am not going to retire. And to me, retirement is death. I don't care how much money you have in a bank account period. Well,
1: I'm not a big retirement guy and I used to kind of uh, not say it that much just because everyone's like, I want to plan for retirement. I had a I had a physician one time sit in my office. He literally just graduated from residency and he said, I want to talk about retirement. And I looked at him I said, you haven't even started your job and you're already talking about quitting. Right. And um, my father had a forced retirement in his early 50s. Now, he had done a really good job of saving money so he was able to do that. And he's 70. 70- Five to now he's 75. Next month he's 75. And to watch him over the last 20 years physically and cognitively decline mm-hmm. because he doesn't have a purpose, he doesn't have a hobby. That's right. And I've seen people go into depression yeah. uh, after retirement. So and, and you know, for those of you who ever heard of Dan Sullivan, uh you can look him up from strategic coach, hear what he talks of the history of retirement. Mm-hmm. it's a really it's a really fascinating uh story concept or, origination so you know i'm not a big retirement person and i just feel like it's obviously very tempting if some corporation offers you a gajillion dollars for your business but mm-hmm. you really got to think beyond the money like okay what's the long term game plan here because i mean if i offered you a 100 million
2: dollars for your practice for your studio your lab you wouldn't take that you'd be like go pound sand well you know it's like Properties, for example, you know, that I own, they, they've gone up so much in value that the last project that I've worked on, I turned down a substantial amount of money, you know, for this piece of property. And to me, I like it because it proves, <coughs> excuse me, that I had a good vision. I saw what the outcome of this whole thing would be. But at the end of the day, I didn't want to sell it because number one, where would I go? Number two, the capital gains that I would pay on it, you know, I would not be happy. So to me, creating a balance in life is important. Yes, money is important. We all need money, you know, to sustain this inflation that we're dealing with. To again, you know, leave a legacy for our kids and so on and so forth. But you also got to think of your mental state. I've seen, for example, my daughter's father in law, he was an engineer, worked until he was 80 years old. His wife continuously told him to stop working, he finally stopped working. Within three years, the guy started to get dementia. Within, oh my gosh. Yeah. Within five years, okay, after he retired, they had to put him in an assisted living facility because it evolved into Alzheimer's. Okay. It's terrible. Right. And the cost factor of keeping them, you know, in assisted living facility, especially out here. I remember talking to his wife, Linda, and she was telling me that it's costing her about seven thousand dollars a month. OK, just to keep them alive in one of these assisted living facilities. So I think people need to be educated, as you indicated, about the consequences of being retired, uh, retiring. OK, and money shouldn't really be the primary motive. It's knowing that if you're going to retire from your practice, now it gives you more time to move into plan B, into plan C. I think that'll keep you somewhat balanced and sane in this insane world, you know, that we're living in. Otherwise, what do you do? You wake up in the morning, eat breakfast, watch the news, go for a walk, have lunch. You know, I I couldn't do that. I. Well, I and you can only play golf for so long. Exactly,
1: exactly. You can only play golf. So as we kind of come to the end here, as a guy who is, you know, full of wisdom, what would you say? And I could pick your brain for hours because usually when we talk, we talk for a long, long time. Tom, right. um, what would you say
2: the best advice you've ever received was in reference to life? In reference what to life, life. Uh well, my philosophy has always been: even a bad day is a good day as long as you're healthy. Okay, That's pretty good. Because you know what it's not about your wealth. It's about your health. Okay. And when you're young, you don't think about things like that. You just think of accumulating wealth, paying off your debt and so on and so forth. But I'm 71 years old, Ross, and I've been through it all. Okay. There's not one thing I have not gone through. So that would be my, my answer to you in reference to your question there.
1: And I'm a big reader. I, I, uh, I ask everyone if they're if they're readers or not, what's a good book they've read recently or what books do they recommend? What is your thought on that? Do you have a give a book you recommend or anything like that?
2: Um, you know, I read lots of business articles. I really don't get into books because, you know, they just consume a lot of your time. Right. I, like to re- I like to read things that are short, sweet, and, you know, and to the point. And I got to be honest with you, most of the stuff that I'm really reading right now, or even glancing through, doesn't really excite me too much in terms of what I'm getting out of there. What excites me is undertaking, let's just say, a concept and bringing it into fruition. OK, and I've got I think I briefed you last time what I'm working on. You yep. know, it's it's a two year plan and it'll take me about another three years, you know, to fulfill that. That's what kind of excites me. OK. And understanding where I'm going in a specific business, you know, that I'm truly interested in there. And to me, you know, reading a book and I read lots of them, but they don't really Let's just say, wow me to the point of, wow, this is a, just a fantastic book. I like to keep it short, sweet, to the point. Give me the bullet points that I need and give me the answers that I want to my questions. That's that, it. That's fair. So, so let me ask you this. Yeah. You do work with uh, dental practices
1: all over the country with their, right. uh, for their uh, porcelain work. If someone wants to get in touch with you and wants to say, hey, I need to be using aesthetic porcelain, how would mm-hmm. they do that?
2: Just simply call me, David Block. Phone number here is 1 800 544 9605. Or if you want to email me, it's David at aesthetic, A E S T H E T I C, porcelain, P O R C E L A I N dot com. Those are the best ways to get a hold of me.
1: That's great. David, I really
2: appreciate
1: your time and really appreciate your wisdom here. I found it incredibly enjoyable and
2: insightful as always absolutely absolutely looking uh, glad to speak to you glad to see that you're doing fine and the world that you're involved with is evolving hopefully in a positive direction as well so cool absolutely
1: well you've been listening to the financial flossing podcast with ross brannan tune in next time for another episode this has been another episode of financial flossing with ross brannan guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. For more on Ross Brannan, visit rossbrannon.com.
0: Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664 Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311, 850-562-9075. Securities, products, and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA SIPC, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Expiration, April 2023.
3: This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax legal or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or North Florida Financial, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian and subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Ross is a registered representative and financial advisor at Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664, Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311, 850 9075 Securities, products, and advisory services offered through PAS member FINRA SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Arkansas Insurance License number 16139032. California Insurance License number 0L10073. 2022 Expiration 324.